0: Welcome back, everybody. We're back from our quick little break, coming into Season 2 of the Screaming Idiots Show. And we'll reintroduce ourselves here for any new listeners we have. I'm Kyler. I'm Preston. And I'm Tyler. And we have, for our our first episode of Season 2, a very special guest in studio with us. Sean Stevenson, rhythm guitarist, frontman, whatever you want to call him, for Screaming Evidence. Sean, what's up, man? What's happening? Glad to have you in. We've probably been bugging the shit out of you. to Come on the show for a while, so glad you were able to make it on. So, you guys played a show here recently and wanted to, unfortunately, you know, marital duties, wasn't able to make it. Hopefully, the, the wife isn't listening and reams me for that when I get home. But She's um, going to be after you. Yeah, probably. So, you guys said it went good, so I'm just curious, you know, what were your thoughts on it and how do you feel it went? Did you... Feel like you sounded tight. What's your what's your thoughts,
1: Tyler?
2: I'll, oh,
3: you, go with it. Yeah, you're, you're I, nominated, I to start Tyler. It. Okay. Wow, I didn't even get to choose. Like we didn't play rock paper scissors or nothing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, it was it was fun. That particular spot is uh, interesting to the history of Screaming Evidence. Um, it is a spot my dad has always played for years, and I grew up going out to my dad's band practices out there and stuff. And when we had gotten together with Scotty and Jason for, uh, you know, screaming evidence, moving more into electric, we were getting ready for our first gig as a group. So we went out there to practice. Dad was like, Hey, you're going to be playing at the Newport music hall. He's (laughs) like, you guys have never played outside of a fucking basement. (laughs) You guys should probably get an idea of what it sounds like playing on a stage, come out here and, and practice. Sean, I think we got what like three songs deep before dude came out and was like, Turn that shit out <laughs> No, uh that one we made it
4: through. There's still videos on YouTube of that one. The one that you're talking about was uh it was a legitimate show that we played there and it was right before we went and played with OTEP at the Al Rosabella. Oh yeah, it
2: could, so. was it the same. No, guy? I'm pretty sure he he yeah, he had some issue that matter.
3: first time we played. But I think yeah, you're right. We got through. We got through several songs. Right. But uh, yeah. So it was. It's a really cool spot to play. The guy who owns the property, um, just very closed minded to music. Fortunately, he was in bed by the time we got to play last night. <laughs> um, and from there. You know, uh, we, we had a pretty decent crowd, uh, pretty, pretty great response from the people that were there. Um, other bands that hadn't heard us before, um, was giving us compliments. So, um, yeah, I'd say it was pretty good. I mean, it sounded, sounded pretty tight on stage. Um, I had my fair share of mistakes, but I was also trying to play without my pinky. So that was cool. Um, some of those songs, I realize, I use my pinky a lot.
0: Yeah. Why and, were you trying to play without your pinky?
3: Um, because I about took half of it off, and yeah, so that that's been a little sore, a okay. little, little tender. Gotcha. So, uh, particularly Thanatophobia, I have a a part where I slide, um, with my pinky, and that about ripped the fucker off. She's in <laughs> your your pinky there. Yeah. It was yeah. it was rough.
4: Sean, what'd you, what'd you think, man? It was all right. It was uh, what you would expect from something like that, I think. Sure. Um, although uh, a lot of our people, uh, a lot of familiar faces came out, I was thankful for, uh, especially because of what it was for. I didn't mm-hmm. know the guy personally. We were a bill with him once, but we played the opposite day of them. Uh,. But, you know, it's always tough for a family and friends to have a loss like that. So, yeah, it's nice to have community come around something like that.
0: Yeah, it was, it was just to remind the listeners what it was. It was a benefit concert, um, banded for brothers. Yep. Did mm-hmm, yep. I say that correctly? Yeah. For, uh, the family of a musician who'd lost his life. Um, so yeah, it was definitely for a good cause. There was how many, how many bands? Four? Five, five total that five. played. Yep. Okay. Preston, yeah. what were your thoughts on it? Uh,
1: Compared to the last gig, it's amazing what happens when you have time to set up and get squared away (laughs) (laughs) properly. Um, Were you able to play the full set this time? Played the full set. I think we played for an hour. We had time to spare, man. Yeah, we could have
3: kept going as long as we wanted. Yep, that was one of those like backyard shows where it's like just just keep feeling it out, bro. Yeah, do what you want.
1: No, it was good on stage. It sounded pretty tight. Scotty slowed his tempo, tempos down, so shout out to Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Poor um, Scotty. But no, on, I've heard a couple videos that I was sent, and they sounded pretty good, but especially on stage, sounded pretty tight. Felt good to rock out like that, even though my neck's sore now.
2: Hell yeah.
4: I like those moments in uh, certain shows when, I don't know, after the first three or four songs, you can feel everybody's eyes get mm-hmm. on. The, mm-hmm. I do know what that was
0: there towards halfway through the set. Felt good. Yeah, I've been to a couple shows of, of your guys' that, I mean, I we talked about, I believe, with the episode with Ryan, we talked about the show at Jay's. That, yep. you know, oh, in, a, yeah. in a building, in a big metal barn with not great sound, limited sound guy, all that, that was a hell of a show that y'all put on. And it like you said, it was, I mean, you open with Attention Freak, and that's, it's an attention getter, not no pun intended, but, you know, it's...
1: Whether good or bad for some. Well, for sure, but... <laughs>
0: You get, you start getting a song or two in, and people are like, oh, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm vibing to this shit. So, yeah, you guys tend to have that effect on, on your fans. Is the next show, Barnyard?
3: No, we have another one. We have a show set up at a, uh, bike retailer, like motorcycle retailer. Bookout Motorsports in Columbus. They have a little. They have a little event that they do, um, like a tattoo and bike show kind of thing. Um, We played it last year as a Battle of the Bands kind of thing. Oh, there's a trophy sitting over here for that. Yeah, Yeah. you won that competition. um,
0: We should have got that on camera. This
3: year, she just asked if we wanted to come play. I was like... Sure, we'll, we'll we'll come do it. Hell yeah! So yeah, I'm still shocked
4: at the amount of money she handed over after that. Yeah, it was crazy. We we had I could have shit like myself seconds after.
1: And it was one of the weirdest shows I've ever played with the band. Yeah, like right. the vibe, it just felt as if we were kind of background music. But you would you would see eyes peeking or, or watching there for a bit. And honestly, I don't know that our performance was that great, but somehow we won won the show or won the battle and. Yeah, and to put in cool.
3: into perspective, the most we've ever gotten paid for a show before was Jay's, and it was like 400 bucks. Yeah. And she handed me a wad of 20s, and I was like, what? <laughs> so I, I just start counting it. And I get past the four hundred. I'm like, I still got a lot of twenties to go. (laughs) (laughs) And it ended up being like a a thousand bucks. I was like, my God, this feels
0: awesome. So it would be. I mean, when you think about it, I guess it would be weird to play a show where you the music isn't the main attraction.
3: Yeah
0: the the tattoo show or the bike show So you're kind of you're kind of off to the side. So if you're able to capture still capture some eyes and some ears when you're not the the quote-unquote main attraction there, I think that goes to show. Okay, we're we're doing something right here. You know, we're we're putting on a good live performance and making people that maybe aren't here for the music, be yeah, here it, for the it music. It seemed like everyone
3: there hated it.
1: Yeah, it was it was the weirdest feeling I've ever gotten. From and the I show. think
3: one of the most metal things I ever heard was Sean looking at me like, I don't I don't think they like that very much. Let's give them some more. And <laughs> we just played, yeah, we played cool. an even heavier <laughs> song after yeah. that, and I was like let's go that's fucking awesome. fucking (laughs) awesome i love that so when's that show july why am i thinking the 29th i i think that sounds about right so end of july basically and then
0: then you have the barnyard and is that august 15th am i saying that right uh, that'll actually be
1: September 30th this year. They pushed oh, it back okay. a month.
0: What's the reasoning for that? Uh,
1: main reason to get Brian, the main sound guy who we had year one of Barnyard Bash, a better chance of being there. Gotcha. Which is a big, big part of that show. Okay. that's Well, so, I guess
0: that would be worth it then. And yeah, I mean,
1: he does sound for High State Football, Taylor Swift, I mean... Big, and you guys big. are
0: working on a couple of new songs too, so that gives you some more time to yep. get shit dialed in and refined yep. and maybe have a couple of those... Those new jams to play live too, which would be awesome. So, I know I'm looking forward to Barnyard. That's first I've heard that it's in September. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's 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 fine. I'll I'll be there regardless. So, it, it'll be a good time. So, Should be a
1: little bit
3: cooler.
0: Yeah, last year was was it last year that was
3: both years it was hot. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, big time sweat rolling off old tea skittles over here. Yeah, I had to take my shirt off. Like it, it wasn't
3: even so much. That it was so hot, I had to take my shirt off. My shirt had been soaked with sweat, and I also kind of needed something to like wipe my the sweat out of my eyes because you couldn't like see. my my eyes were on fire. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's unfortunate. So good well, thing good. I don't need to see much. Couple good shows coming up for you guys. So you know, Sean, what we've kind of done with every guest, and it's always been super interesting for us. And and I know you know, especially these two sitting here know you a lot about your musical background, but you know, the listeners, they really like hearing um, the story of, of the musicians that we bring on of, you know, how they got into music, what were their original influences and, you know, what made them decide, yeah, I want to play music. So, you know, take us back a little bit, if you will, to, you know, when you really first started falling in love with music and, and what it was, what band, you know, what exactly was that aha moment of, man, I love, I love this. And this is what I want to do. Well, Kyler of TikTok fame.
4: <laughs>
1: uh, I'm excited to hear this because I don't know that I've ever heard this in-depth journey of yours.
4: Well, I, I listen to all kinds of things. Not really, uh, fixated on anything at first, I guess. Like, I remember my mother jamming the Matchbox 20, cleaning the house. and oh, She yes. still have that album, too. Yes. That first album was Love Matchbox. Undefeated. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, getting into school, hip-hop was real big and rap. Uh, the last hip-hop song I really liked was Juvenile's uh, Slow Motion. Oh <laughs> yeah. Hell yes. And then my aunt took me to a rock show. She was uh, living in Indiana at the time, and it was Evanescence was the headliner. Seether played before them. Three Days Grace played before them, okay. and then Breaking Benjamin opened for them. And, wow. Yeah,
0: you wouldn't know that's a, it. That's crazy. That's a hell of a bill, but, but you wouldn't expect Breaking Benjamin to be opening for anybody. <laughs> no, Breaking
4: Benjamin or 3 Days Grace really. Yeah, yeah for time. sure. Yeah. But uh after that, um they sent me back home with a uh burnt CD. It had small soul on it. It had um uh, well, that's really the only band I, I really remember <laughs> that's, <also>. the <laughs> that's, that's the one. That's the yep. one that got me. They got you. And I got... Uh, I think I have every single album they've ever put out, even their EPs. Um, so there was that. It was the concert is when it kind of flipped the script there. And then not too long after that, <clears throat> we'd skate up and down uh, Broadway Street. And there was this... There was a band, and the only reason I knew there was a band was because the music was fucking loud as shit. <laughs> and I would skate up and down trying to find a way to get in the house. Like <laughs> let, let me let in. Let me in. Yep, I remember the houses it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Fucking Eric Andre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember uh, selling like candy bars or some shit for the school, and they weren't playing at the time. But I thought, man, I could. This could be my way. you know? <laughs>
2: This is my end. Yeah, yeah. Let
4: me get hey, buy buy some of my candy and let me rock it. Carmel's the best shit you'll ever have. I did sell them candy bars, but that's not that wasn't my end. <laughs> uh the lady that the rhythm guitarist and singer for the band uh was dating at the time, she had I think uh it was her cousin, it's Steve Beverly. Okay. He came out. And he was skating and shit too, and uh, he was my end from there. The band was far and few between, Uh good bunch of guys. They were a punk group, local punk group, and uh, I started dabbling with guitar from there. And then around the same time, my dad and uh, my uncle were... The one had some experience and quit playing, and the other one, my daddy, just started playing, and we kind of played together, learned together, rather. That's cool. uh,
0: Took off from there, man. So did you, I think I recall Tyler saying that you had started out primarily on acoustic. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah.
4: yeah. That That was all we had. I didn't have an electric guitar for years. Matter of fact, I think he and I both got an electric at the same time from poplin you know you may have had an electric before me my first electric, i did i, I just never
3: i never really played it much i right. didn't have it a was the ibanez it. over here
4: oh
1: yeah it's yeah. always unique to hear this side of it and I'll, I'll let you expand on it because me and him we didn't give a fuck
0: about an acoustic guitar no this man. is the last thing we, we cared about yeah
1: it was we want to play metallica riffs until so we can't the, play anymore so
0: i mean we, when we were you know 12 13 14 years old it was it was Metallica and that was it we yeah. wanted to play Metallica riffs we yeah. wanted to be Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield <laughs> and we did not give a shit about an acoustic and I, for for years i've always wondered if that like set me back or set him back as a as a guitarist but right. i don't think it did it was just a different way of of learning to play the instrument and you know him and i never had lessons never had yeah. You know, we just taught each other how to play, basically, kind of like you got, you know, you and Tyler did, just in a different style. Yeah. So it's cool to hear it from the acoustic perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you talk about smile, empty soul. You know, is that kind of one of your? You know, did you start pl- just learning to play smile, empty soul songs, for example, and and that's kind of where you went with teaching yourself how to play guitar, or did did you have any outside lessons? I think did you say your uncle? Uh,
4: yeah. No, he taught me a finger warm-up, right? Yeah. Little little things that they dabble in and uh, the gig with when my dad and I were learning. We would kind of pick songs. We would learn one of mine, learn one of his, learn one of mine. And then uh, probably not too long after that, uh, he kind of slowed down because, you know, he's working. He's doing third shift and shit, working all the time. Mm -hmm. And I kept going. I would met. T. Scott, I don't know, a little while before I'd found out that he messed with guitar. Actually, I knew that he was in, uh, he did percussion in band or something, and the very first video that we made was of him on a drum set and a bunch of us fucking kids Playing guitar, that had no idea what the fuck we were doing. Standard, bro. Yeah, yeah. standard. That was That's what. That, that was the name of the band. I remember your dad telling me, "Boy, you got you got to sing in that microphone. You can't just speak in it. You got to, you got to project." All right. My dad was our coach. Yeah. Yeah, in a sense, yeah.
3: Shout
0: out, shout out, Big Ed, for the the musical coaching. Yeah, and, and with you being a vocalist, I guess like, when did you? You know, kind of realize, oh fuck, I I can sing. I do. It. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's one. that's bold, yeah, sir. That is a
4: bold <laughs> statement. Well,
1: very similar to Tyler, like switching the bass out of necessity for the band. Wasn't that kind of the same thing that you did for Screaming Evidence, where it was like, well, I'll I'll sing if I got to. No, because so.
3: when I, uh, Sean and I had kind of known each other for about a year and hung out a few times before we found out that. You know, each of us played music. And when I came over to hang out with him, I had only ever thought about playing guitar, but he was, he was singing and playing. Okay. Okay. Then, and I, hell, that was 2009. And my question, I don't think I've ever really asked this of you. Oh boy. Like one, what made you want to start singing? cuz i know me like i had no intention of doing it until you you kept calling me a bitch and saying sing this <laughs> yeah i remember your first song you wrote I'm <laughs> and down then with it, bro. <laughs> don't don't do it to me
4: um, yeah, you know what it is you know what it is <laughs> <laughs> oh my god here we go look
3: and then so like what made you want to start singing and then when did you decide to start writing
4: uh to
3: learn how to play the guitar
4: for both. So, the way I would remember my chord shapes was to write songs with those chord shapes. Wow.
2: Hmm.
0: That makes huh. so much sense, and the fact that I've never thought of it like that is mm-hmm. kind of wild. Because that makes perfect sense. But, I guess because I've always found the concept of singing while playing so incredibly difficult. Um, and I've always valued musicians who were able to do so. And especially at a high level. And I guess I never really thought, yeah, I guess that makes sense. If you, if you have lyrics and a rhythm to keep you kind of on track of what you're playing. And like you said, your chord shapes and whatnot, it makes perfect sense. But the fact that I've never thought yeah. about
4: it. It made it easy for me in the beginning, uh, to take three typically chord shapes and, Write a song with it, uh, and then, you know, you learn two more, and you'll use that as a chorus if it sounds okay. I'm not really, uh, never really been in the music theory or anything like that, or had the patience for it, but if it sounded good, we just run it.
0: Do you remember the very first, like, full song that you wrote? Mm hmm How old were you when you wrote that? Fourteen. Fourteen. Do you remember what it was called? I
4: don't, uh... My parents kept a hard drive of uh, all the songs that I had written and posted to YouTube. So I would take it, put it on the computer, and then post them on YouTube. And uh, they kept it on a a hard drive, a flash drive, rather. So they have every song that uh, I'd ever written in high school.
0: That's awesome. Do you remember your first Screaming Evidence song that you wrote?
4: Yeah. Which Uh, one was that? Um, it was a song that you, I have it on a CD. We went to Aaron Klein's studio and we recorded it. But at that time it was just me and Steve. And then Steve is an excellent guitar player. At the time he could not play with other people. Uh, as far as like a metronome and time, he had no idea what the fuck same, was going same on. Same as me to this day, which is fair. <laughs> you know, he started off much like you guys with mm-hmm. the Metallica and everything. He could play every Metallica song ever made, but it wasn't until we started writing together that uh, it was just a it, whole new thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a different world when you start playing with other people, um, especially a full band where you've got you know at least a, a drummer and a bassist and. Possibly another guitarist. It's a it's a whole other world.
4: Yeah, no, I think it's it's incredibly difficult to take four separate people and tell them to make one piece of music together mm-hmm. and make it sound good. Yeah, I'm not a professional musician. I I do it for fun, and it is fun. But uh, it's very difficult and it can be frustrating too, especially when you know how good you are as yourself. But mm-hmm. you're only as good as your weakest link. If I'm sure everybody's heard the saying mm-hmm. before. And it's not even necessarily that there's a weak link in the band, but that everybody has an off day.
0: Sure. I mean, you could play this song a hundred times and fuck it up the 101st time. Mm -hmm. Yep. It is what it is. So we've heard Tyler's version of it, but I want to hear your version of, you know, kind of the birth of Screaming Evidence and where, you know, the roots of how the band came to be, what it was from the start, and then how it got to where it's at now.
4: Tyler was always with me, As, so there was point. We started playing uh, guitar with each other. He come over. He showed me his little fucking Guns N Roses <laughs> and Roses. <Delirly. laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was like, Nah, but you know, check this out.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: and uh, <laughs> he's got a better way
3: of explaining the
4: story than I did. <laughs> I remember that night, too. Uh, I showed him Smile and Your Soul in that night on MySpace.
3: God's Army. Yeah. That was and I song. was immediately hooked. And then at that point, I was like, Fuck yours and to, roses. to just... <laughs> I was a, talking. I was a sponge for you to just feed music to.
4: So what was impressive about that, though, was that I didn't show him that song. He, he went and got that song on his own. Yeah. I, I think... think uh, the only thing they do a couple war songs, especially for the time, it was like two thousand four ish when the Bush administration was going in the uh Afghanistan and stuff they were real against that mm-hmm. um but there was uh, another one on their first album, and I think I might have shown him that, but God's army I think was off of uh, anxiety so but yeah, anyways, we played uh, So he was with me, we played together, and then it wasn't until senior year when a buddy of ours and me got uh, our own place. So my parents were leaving, they were going to Circleville, and I had a choice. I could get a job and stay here, or I can go to Circleville. Mm Mm-hmm. I got a job. I stayed here, and at that point in time, shit was fucking. It was off the hook, dude. I <laughs> get off work Fuck, at like yes ten. Was. Fucking, we'd play music all night. Uh, and it, and even then, people were learning my songs too. Just little ditties I wrote. Everybody could sing them. It was it was a it was really neat. And after high school, shortly after high school, a buddy of ours and I uh he was invited to jam with uh with a couple guys it ended up being Scotty Jason and a guy named Tony and it was at this dude named Tony's house he'd ever, only ever played with me at the time he didn't know how to play guitar but he would you know sing songs with us So he said he'd go out there and do the vocals for him and ask me if I'd come with him so he could sing some songs that he was comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Corey and I get out there, and uh, they all have their electric guitars and shit, and I got an acoustic. That was it. (laughs) I don't think I knew any of the songs. Maybe a bullet for my Valentine's song, but even then, only like the chorus. They might have played a kill switch Engage song, uh, End of Heartache. But even then, I ain't screaming at you at that point. I'm, <laughs> I'm not it, like <laughs> bro. I'm a thanger. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Fuck. So I don't want to say that went well, but we kept getting together. Uh, apart from the Tony guy. We never seen him again. He's probably like, dude, these are a bunch of kids, a bunch of little punk bitches. I ain't fucking <laughs> with that. But Scotty and uh, Jason, we we met up with, and they said something about a bass player. I said, I know one. I got a hold of T. Scott. T. Scott came out. And that was the very beginning of it. Which, by the way, I was not a bass player. No. No, you weren't, but you were for me.
3: <laughs> I, t- I told you guys. I made you a fucking I told human. you guys, powers of persuasion. This dude hits me up. He's like, hey. I'm going to need you to play bass. I'm going to need you to play bass. I was like, I think I could do that. How how long, you know, when when are we playing? He's like, I need you in 2 weeks. So in 2 weeks, I found a bass. <laughs> I found a bass amp and I I learned how to play bass in 2 weeks. In 2 weeks. That's impressive. I'm a bad bitch. Did he
1: really, Sean? Did he really learn?
3: Look, I I wasn't
4: what I am today. (laughs) You you, think of like a learning, (laughs) as far as like uh, Chris Novaselic for Nirvana can do. You know, yeah. Follow the root notes, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I imagine. I I think that's pretty fucking generous. Sixteen years old, getting to go out and play some shows. That's cool shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, in reality, there's, you know, if I'd had it my way, it, it would have just been my people and Scotty. Scott Scotty's real laid back. Uh, has he been on here yet? Not yet. He's, he's, uh, he's, he will be on is, this season, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty's pretty chill, man. Uh, easy to get along with. He has moments like everyone else does, but when it comes down to it, he's Really flexible for the kind of music that mm-hmm. we've played, especially more so in the beginning. He just wants to play, uh, is my personal opinion of him. I agree. Um, but yeah, we we played probably for a year and a half before T Scott went to the Navy and he left. Uh, I moved to Circleville and I kept writing, man. I mean. It's a hobby, right? You don't stop mm-hmm. playing yeah. guitar. Or no, something. it just nope. don't happen. Um, Scotty got another band. He actually got back with the uh, guitar player, ran into him, and they started another band. He got a hold of me. I think watching a video of mine. I would. I still got all those videos of. Uh, I write songs, put them on Facebook, get my ego stroked a little bit. Oh <laughs> yeah. and And we uh, all need that yeah yeah um and he got a hold of me said he had some free time so he would come up from columbus and we would jam together and i never stopped talking to uh to tyler he would we would zoom i'd show him songs i was working on um
0: he was telling me about how much of a bitch that was because you know you're you're on
3: that was sky bro and oh, yeah. a the connection site. was horrible. There's a fucking
0: delay, and you're telling him, like, no, 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 it's this. Play it with me. It was, and there's pic- like- it was
3: pixelated as fuck. It was like old 2000s internet porn. Like, <laughs> couldn't see anything. It's dark. He's trying to show me where the finger is, and he's like, you know, then you start 557, five, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm with you, bro.
4: Yeah, no, it wasn't easy at all. I mean, the picture did nothing. It was like a phone call, essentially. We probably would have been better off with a phone call. Probably. At least we had better direction and knowing how to communicate with each other. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think that just goes to show the the dedication that you guys had to writing music together. And, you know, you called it a hobby. I tend to want to call it a passion. Um. At least that's what I feel like it is for for me for for Preston and you know what I feel like it is for you guys, so the dedication that you had to to go through that was was a lot um so let's go through you know Tyler gets back from the Navy. you guys are kind of in this um this particular vibe, not quite as i don't i guess I'll use the term heavy as you are now, you know what was kind of that transition point where the sound started to change and you started to get a little a little heavier, if you will. And don't give all the credit to Preston sitting here I for didn't joining start the it. band. But what was, that, what was that tipping point where what you guys were writing started to change a little bit to what you're playing now?
3: Hmm. It's a loaded question.
0: Scotty well, I ripping think,
3: I ass. Think, I think part of it was Scotty, for sure, because he was on us from the very beginning about getting heavier
1: because of the bands and what he had listened to before. Yeah, cuz he was yeah. a
3: metalhead. And yeah. Sean and I came from playing grunge and acoustic guitars and the first songs that we had played together were the acoustic songs that Sean wrote and you know, from there we started writing songs more for the electric kind of thing and um the first few like the first few bigger songs that we played as a as a band that were written for that kind of setting were actually songs that that I had wrote, and then from there it you know Sean started writing songs for that setting, and his songs were were better, so we <laughs> we played those um, but i I mean I don't <clears throat> the the stuff that we're playing now I mean I'll let Sean speak on that, but I mean we were. We were being pushed to be heavier from the beginning because yeah. of Scotty. Uh,
4: I think that's fair, but I, the sound itself, I don't, I honestly don't know. Um, you imagine, you you hear songs, right, like their bands, Under Oath, I was big into them, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you don't have the patience to learn a song like that. Uh, You're kind of comfortable in this groove that you've made, right? It's working for you. Damn, I felt that. So you don't know what hard is supposed to sound like. What I know that I don't want is to sit there and palm mute every Mm -hmm. five seconds because that's what the cool kids do. It doesn't (laughs) sound great to me. Yep. So I would... I w uh, let's say like the debt. The debt was one of the ones where I thought, okay, that, that goes hard. That can, that can get it. it and definitely uh, does. I had to take inspiration from a song called um uh Under the Knife, I think, from Chevelle's uh mm-hmm. album La Gargola. I think Sounds is right. how you pronounce it like right. boys are weird oh, but man. we love them that's a gangster ass song mm-hmm. but that you know is what's hard to me uh, and from there it, it progressed a bit I think T. Scott branched out way more than what I did I still listen to the same like five
0: albums that's, every goddamn day that's our fault yeah. <laughs> for forcing him to branch oh, out no. <laughs> was,
3: oh no it's was, a good thing I was actually. branching out like, when I got to the Navy and stuff, because oh, yeah. I got just stagnant on the shit that I was listening to. And back then, you were still, like, exchanging CDs with friends. Yeah. And I would run into friends I would work with in the Navy, and I'd be like, let's let's exchange CDs, bro. And that's how I found The Rice and a few mm. other bands that I listened to. Well,
1: and I think that's really cool, because um, we've said it a million times on this show, me and Kyler specifically, and Scotty... You know, we were into the the heavier, one to just riff
0: out stuff. We palm muted a lot. Yeah, palm muted. <laughs> we still palm mute a lot. It shows. <laughs>
1: so I was always into several different things growing up, whether it was a tones kind of stuff. I wasn't into them as much as I am now because of you 2 um, but it was a band I had always listened to or an in Incubus. I was always into Incubus when I was a kid, um, but I always gravitated toward the heavier palm muted stuff. And even before I joined the band, that heavier palm muted stuff did get slightly old to me because it felt like everybody was doing it at the time. And it was like, how do I find a way as an artist, as a musician to mix everything that I like together? And it felt like once I started running around with you guys and we started playing music together, it was like, okay, they have these roots. I have these roots. I think we can put them together. And I think it will be what I'm after selfishly, but maybe what we're all after, Mm -hmm. or maybe didn't realize what we were. Um, but I think it, it, with the newer stuff and stuff that we've played as of late, it kind of feels that way as well. Yeah.
4: With the, the newer stuff, uh, like we were talking about <clears throat> before the podcast uh, the shapes that you would bring in is what I'm manipulating now mm-hmm. and you don't you know, that that's not something that I would have ever went out on my own and looked for typically mm-hmm. you sit, I'd sit down with a, an acoustic guitar at the house and just play around until I found some progressions that are new to me but uh, when you came in, you you riff a lot, bro. Mm. You riff a lot. <laughs> I can't play a full and song,
1: but I can fucking riff all day. That's, <laughs> that's all right. Because
4: cause there are things in there that, you know, this, the music that you would make sounds good. It does. Uh-huh. And then you taking the time to show me some of those things. There there was a pattern that, um, oh, what was it, 8-7, the 8-7 skip? Oh, yeah. Uh, ooh, yep. yeah. Gives it that cloudy, yeah, weird, yeah, yeah. yep. So I, I uh, been taking that a lot, and a couple of the songs kind of branch off of that. And yeah, I think a lot,
1: that chord progression and that, like, key or whatever, we've been basing a lot of our stuff mm-hmm. lately
4: off of that.
0: Well, and Preston brings up a great point, and it's something that I've always thought about. You know, you talk about mixing two, um, two different roots, right? Two different styles, you know, Every member of the band comes from a different background uh, musically, and that is why I think you guys have done such a, a great job of meshing those together that it's so hard to genreize Screamy Evidence. It's it's so? why
1: we don't fit in at, sh- at every show we play. It's It always feels like we're—I don't know the outsider is the proper term or word for it, but it's just like we're either at this super heavy show where we are completely different than anybody there— or we're way heavier than whoever else we're playing with, which maybe is a blessing in
0: disguise a lot of the time. Um, well, you, I use the term radio core a lot, right? Or radio friendly, or mainstream, or mm-hmm. whatever. You guys are not that at all. You're, in my opinion, as a fan, you know, just removing myself from the friend aspect. Just as a fan what screaming evidence does is so unique to what a lot of these rock and metal bands are doing nowadays, because you're, you're mixing a lot of elements of what you guys draw influence from. And you know, you've got harsh vocals, you've got real pretty melodies, you've got super heavy riffs in a lot of songs. You've got really pretty cleans in songs. You're able to kind of be a chameleon as a band and blend to a lot of different ears and I think that's, I mean, I'm not, God, it sounds like I'm sucking your guys' dick real hard here, but that's what I think makes you guys so much dick fun. Sucker. To, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I i just appreciate good music. And I, I think it's what makes you guys a lot of fun to listen to. And a lot of people that have listened to this pod have in turn gone and checked out Screaming Evidence and got back to me and been like, dude, this shit rips. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's different. It's not, it's not, you're not going to hear something like what they're doing on the radio every song. It's just different, and it's very unique, and I think that's what makes it so much fun to listen to. And that yeah. is a compliment in the highest form.
4: No, it's, it's nice to hear something like that from... It, that is more in-depth than I could ever ask for most <laughs> of the time when people come up and they're like, hey, man, that was awesome. That's what you get. Yeah. Uh, right. You take that at face value. But, um, yeah, no, that's
0: nice. It made me feel warm and fuzzy. I think. That's, that's that's good, man. Where's so the bourbon? I mean, I think I have... <laughs> I think I have, you know, and not just me, but any other person that's a musician or plays an instrument or really dissects music would be able to give that type of in-depth analysis. So that's where it comes from, because me as a musician, I'm 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 listening to the whole song, every element of the song. And, you know, I mean, you take a song like Beijing Green and then put it against a song like The Best of Me, The Debt, even stuff off the older album, The Debt. Um, there's just every song has a completely different feel to it. It's like you're. It's almost like you're listening to a different band because you guys are super versatile. So just the way that you guys have been able to grow and be so creative is what I think makes Screaming Evidence one of the most unique and talented bands in the local, uh, quote unquote, local music scene. Mm. So Beijing Green, bud. Beijing Green goes so fucking I hard,
2: fucking bro.
4: I fucking loved that song up until we recorded it. Yep. Same I wish here. I'd rate. If we could erase that off yep. that fucking album and what, redo it,
0: okay. What what would you cha- what do you want to
4: change?
1: The timing and our preparedness. <laughs>
4: no, nah, I think the just the way it it came out sounding is just not what it is. Like when we played it, I remember playing it out for the first time. Uh,
1: that would have been before fact, that, me, right? Yes. Yeah,
4: yeah. 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 I think you uh, might have been with me when our set was done. This was so we were meant to play with puddle and mud for a second time at uh in cincinnati the frog mad frog mad frog yeah he they drop out he had some issues come back we play with them for the second time in kentucky at a skate park It, it was an indoor warehouse down in florence i think I can't, I really oh, can't remember, now. I know it was Kentucky, but <laughs> it had, like, pictures of Lil Wayne on the wall skating, I was like, this is dope as fuck, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, highly suspect, written on the half-bite, it was sweet, man, but, uh, and they had, when we were playing, we opened the show up, and when we were playing, they had these kids, well, I say kids, they might have been adults, I don't fucking know, but... They were, like, skating in a bowl underneath us doing tricks and shit. I was like, man, this is, uh, this this is, is where dope. it's at. I That'd made it. Cool. Well, the, oh, the
3: stage was up on the the kind of deck of the half pipe. Yeah, and so right. there was kids skating on that half pipe while we were playing. That's and metal. it was that dark is, as shit. That's metal, course, metal was fuck. Fuck. Is metal it was, But it was dark. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, one of these dudes is going to die. Like. <laughs> How, how do they might be what me. they're doing.
4: And it, it it was a big show. There was a big crowd. I remember we started off with no return and that was the first time we had played that back in a while. And then uh towards the end we played Beijing Green for the first time. Well when our set was done, uh I remember two things. I remember one of the kids that I seen skating in a bowl come up and asked about no return if they could find it anywhere. And at shows like that, these some of these people don't realize that you're not as big as mm-hmm. they would think that you are. Well mm-hmm. you're playing
0: with Puddle of Mud.
4: Right. Puddle of Mud's kind of fallen off kinda of not, right? You'll still hear him on the radio you every know, now and again. Went yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at that show, at that show he was cool. I did get to talk to him. He seemed like he's in the right state of mind. Yeah. It is what it is. The first show, he didn't show his fucking face the whole night <laughs> not until it was time to play. But uh so I remember the kid coming up asking about no return. And then it was either my brother and I or you and I. We were out on the patio talking about the set. And this dude kinda come up and I remember him like nodding his head and I was I said something about Beijing Green and he went, Oh man, I was wondering if you guys were gonna play that song.
2: What? what? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you like that song, huh? You, you
4: heard that like before? It. <laughs> it was a fucking gangster, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I, I, I guess song. I didn't realize that Beijing Green was that old.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: A lot of the songs that we play are really old. Mm-hmm. They come in twos. They right? normally do, yeah. Yeah. Like two or two threes. Time. The last one was uh,
4: Thanatophobia and Cadence. Yep. Before yeah. that. Uh, what was transparent with? I thought maybe it was, was one different. that you brought. Transparent was it Mom's song and Transparent else?
3: came with uh, Best of Me. Um, I'm pretty sure. And then you had like the Mom's song and Better Left Unsaid. But but well that Better was Left, about when I was coming around. Better yeah, Left yeah. Unsaid was like we we had the baseline of it, but we hadn't really played it out, and then Preston came on and kinda helped add some layers to it, and then we started playing it out. I miss playing that song.
0: I do too. It's got a cool yeah. vibe
3: to it. That fucking bass line is super fun to play.
0: So, Sean, what are you most excited about when it comes to Screaming Evidence moving forward? What what is... I've asked these two guys the same <clears throat> question, so what do you feel is next for Screaming Evidence?
4: Uh, I like the uh, direction just uh from the music that we've been writing here recently. It's really challenging for me because you, when you have another guitar player that's capable, uh, I think most people would back off a bit. But I I would rather play guitar than do anything else. So it's not going to happen.
1: And that's why I, I had said earlier that I thought you had just started singing out of necessity for the band because I remember you making comments a while back that if you could just play guitar, that's what you would do. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah uh, that stands pretty, pretty true. But the songs that we're writing now are uh, so much more difficult for me and not how how it's played, but the rhythm that it's played. Uh, when I would write songs, I could kind of match the vocal line up with my hand. It doesn't work that way now, so it it makes me stumble. I just found a way that night I was telling you that uh, I'd written that chorus to one of the new songs. I just found a way to play the other chorus from the other new song. So instead Mm. of dropping off, I can play it now. Uh, That's been a hard part of it, but the songs in general, when they are done i i mean I can't wait to see what uh what they sound like, especially full force the uh the one uh the one new song it's kind of incubus like right it's got a real lighter feel mhm, we had a moment there, you know what I'm saying and i can't <laughs> I can't wait to get it back yeah.
1: those moments are fun, man. it's just like when we're all together and it something just hits all of us and we we look at each other and it's like holy shit yeah Holy we're locked shit. in baby we did we're it. locked in <laughs> yeah. we didn't realize what we were after but i i think we did
0: it well uh, y'all know what i'm most excited for we talked about it before the show that, that, mm-hmm. that one, and that that oh, one's yeah. brand
1: new compared to most of what he's talking about yeah i'm yeah.
4: surprised you said that i mean it feels good but uh
0: a... for anybody that yeah. joined us on the uh tiktok live when when uh we we live streamed uh screaming evidence practice The riff that you guys were sending the fire emojis in on, that's the one I'm talking about, because it lives in my fucking head rent-free ever since I heard it. So I can't wait to hear that one finished, because it's fucking gorgeous. It's going to be super fun. Did you record that? Yes.
1: Yeah, that was that night he was here, and we were all jamming around. Yeah, I got it.
4: If if you, you want to it, say, yeah, yes. what did it sound like? sound okay? Yeah, fuck yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, said, I mean, he said it's been like, rent free in my head. In in my head, head dog. <laughs> we, we would have been
0: just kind of dribbling around with it because yeah, you that got, was one of the first Yeah, we yeah. were just fucking right. Yeah, yeah but at, the more you played it, the more shit started to come together. So it was super cool to hear that progression of, oh, they're figuring it out. It's coming together. So, yeah. okay. Now that was the one that, that uh, everybody that was, that was watching live was sending fire emojis to. Oh, yeah. So it was, it was yeah like i said rent free in my head is probably the the, and, the perfect way to describe that and one.
1: I think you make a good point um and maybe it's something I didn't realize, but like you had mentioned once you added another guitarist rather than having to take a step back and maybe not have as much on your plate as as what was on your plate when you were a three piece it feels like we've kind of all challenged each other even more now instead of you taking a step back me taking more of the load like maybe the styles or whatever it is but it's it's challenged us all and challenged all of our songwriting and i think um once this stuff is is finished and out there i i think a lot of the loyal fans that we have will finally it, it'll put it into perspective like oh this is what they were mentioning or maybe this is what they were talking about at this show or whenever we've seen them because i i truly think it I don't know that it's a lot different, but and maybe more complex isn't the best way to describe it. But I think it's all what we've been after.
4: Yeah, I subscribe to the notion too that uh, we we don't have to look at. I mean, when when you're in an introduction setting, okay, whatever. But as far as the music goes, we don't have to necessarily be rhythm and lead, right? I can play the rhythm, and you could play ambiance you could have ambiance to the song you can have like a second rhythm you get going. something underlying doesn't yeah. have to be a lead right exactly you can make the song much so much fuller in that exactly.
1: and exactly that, and that as a guitarist i've never been after like the super shreddy stuff or super lead heavy stuff it's we've talked about it on this show it might have been episode two and three that it's always been something about melody and the full, the full mix of the song.
0: Bro, you just took me down memory lane. Yeah. Because I never cared about leads. All I cared about was rhythm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and heavy ass riffs. And when because we were of the kids, way we grew up. When we were kids, I say kids, you know, 14, 15, 16, right. whatever. He, he always would be like, all right, play me something. And I would just come up with a riff. And he would make this gorgeous-ass solo over top of it. And that's all... I mean, we just had a blast doing that shit. Yeah. Because I, you know, he loved to write these real pretty ambient leads, and it was never, like he said, anything it was never super, super shreddy. shreddy. Probably because I couldn't, it couldn't was, pick fast enough. But no, but, it, but an ambient feel solo sounds so much better than something sh- super shreddy. Anyways. And we've always agreed on that point. And so, yep. God, that's... I mean, that's how we grew up, dude. We would just sit at each other's houses for hours. He'd be like, all right, all right, next one. Hit me with another one. I'd play another riff, and he would... He would just write this super gorgeous solo over top of it, and we would just fucking jam on our little fifteen watt line six amps. Dude. Yeah, like that <laughs> the spider. Just, <laughs> y'all remember the spider? That, that shit just took me down memory lane because that was that was my fucking childhood, man. You could go on for hours. Like uh, T Scott and I would sit in a
4: basement for hours just to get one song a hundred percent correct, and I wouldn't let anybody leave that fucking basement until we got it right yeah until we had it on video and i could watch it back and fucking enjoy that shit myself he he definitely wouldn't let you
3: sleep no that's for sure
4: if you started, finish it at least at that point in time right that was all we had to do
3: yeah yeah we we would get to we would go to your mom's in circleville and hang out and we'd start a song i don't know like five in the afternoon or something It'd be like five in the morning. I'm like, bro, can I go to sleep now? And he's like, hang, hang on. I need you to play this riff a few more times so I can finish the lyrics. A few more times, my ass, I'd be sitting there playing it for another 20 minutes. Meanwhile, my, I mean, my hands are numb at this point. And yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was definitely fun. But yeah, you wouldn't let nobody fucking quit until the shit was done.
4: Writing lyrics are hard, at least for me. I've been doing it for a long Brother, time. Brother, I can't do it. Mm-mm. Well, I you say that until
0: you get going. That's but... fair. I mean, I guess I've never Same really as
1: starting a podcast.
4: Well,
0: that's true. Yeah, it's yeah. Been
4: kind of similar. Yep. if especially if it was scripted.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's metal as fuck.
4: <laughs> it's hard, man. Uh, I try not to use a lot of curse words unless you're using, you know, like a. Uh, Exclamation at the end of points. There, if you're just using curse words every five seconds, and you really have nothing to say to begin yeah, with, that's yeah. true. And I try to not use the same words, other than you know the and shit like that. The, the, the
0: words that you word. have yeah. to, yeah. yeah. Transition words,
4: but uh, you can find different ways to describe different feelings and and um, yes. uh, situations. And I, I try my best to do that, and it. It takes a minute. Well, and it, it goes to show hurt.
1: because, like, you talk about wanting to perfect a song, and when you are younger, that's what you guys did. It was, we're going to perfect it. We'll make a song. I mean, there's songs that we have right now that are a year old, and sure. they're not finished because, one, not having the utmost time to get together, of course, because of everything else. But also, it's like something's just off. Either something needs added, something needs taken out, something needs changed. Um, and I feel like right now we're at that spot where it's like, okay, we got the gist of all these five, six, however many songs it is, and it's like each one just needs that extra push or that extra piece or something taken out and switched, and then it's there. And then we're able to play those out and really really put new material out that we're truly Truly proud of.
3: Yeah, I mean, really, we're just waiting on lyrics and how we're going to sing the shit to to mm-hmm. finish these songs out. Which is a
1: big piece. Yeah, a lot of them.
3: But, you know, to that, that's that's going to be some of this new recording stuff we got to be able to, you know, kind of record some of the guitar and, and whatnot, and that makes it a lot easier than having T. Scott play the riff for 12 hours straight, <laughs> um, which I, you know... It was fun for me.
4: Well, back then, like I said, we That's had all we the had. time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now it's more uh, doses, right? The
4: last time we did it, it was probably for about an hour, <clears throat> but we we got quite a bit. I mean, we're able to play that song now. We repeat lyrics, but still, we're able to play it and know where it's gonna go. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Life, and,
0: life happens, man. You yeah, have kids, sure. you get married. It's just <laughs> you gotta. You got to get more efficient with your your time musically and I think you guys have done a good job at that.
4: It's hard to play with kids, man, cuz that's all they want to do when you when they see you do something, they want to do it with you. Yeah. Yeah. And how can you tell them no, you know? I want to I want my kids to be into it. Yeah. And if I'm always pushing them away, making it my thing and not our thing, then it may not work out that way. But back to the point of when a song's done, I always uh like to think that a song was done when uh, you couldn't imagine it another way. So mm-hmm. if you take your favorite song, okay, and I told you write lyrics over that, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen because yeah. the only lyrics that are gonna come to your head are the ones that you know from the song, mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard to do. I mean, just going on you know how much time it takes. I can think of lines that I've dropped that. I left in there for a while, and you know it never really sat right. So you go back, and eventually it works itself out. Sarcasm took four or five years to write, and God, we changed that shit up song, so dude. many hey,
3: times. What about say, say, say? We started, uh, we started back in Michigan up in Michigan, yeah. hundred and fifteen <laughs> degrees in them fucking cabins. That was two thousand and twelve. That was that was the 49. summer before I, I left for for the navy. And the verses were actually more along the lines of like attention freak and stuff yeah. when we first wrote it, and then we we were trying to bring it back. Um, it was a good hook. That was all we. Yeah, had. that that's the all. Chorus was
4: all that survived.
3: All that survived. And and Sean was like, "Man, I kind of want I want to change the verses on this and and bring this song together." And you know, we ended up changing some things, but it kind of speaks to. Um, if you if you can imagine it another way that might be better it's not done but um i know you're kind of running out of some time but i would like to hear your take on on a couple things what's that so first i want to hear your your worst show experience we've had okay. and i want to hear your favorite okay easy easy money okay <clears throat>
0: He's got to readjust. (laughs) (laughs)
4: We've had some really bad experiences. The worst show experience was uh, the most recent that I can think of. The first one I thought of when you said it was uh, the first show back we played over in Jeffersonville at like a strip (laughs) club.
0: At a strip club in Jeffersonville? (laughs) Oh, 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 there was a a, a bar out there. There was a strip
4: club in Jeffersonville? (laughs) We should have been there. (laughs) The entire set. It was so bad. I had never been so humiliated, <laughs> embarrassed in my life. The only redeeming factor. I mean, you have one guy sitting up there going, yeah, that was cool. There's always the that one drunk guy. Yeah. Free bird! <laughs> we played aerials at the end of the set, and that was the only redeeming factor. That was the worst. That was very defeating. Well, uh,
3: part of that, too, was I was... I remember in that show, there was, like, three songs I played bass in, and then, like, another four that I played guitar in. Oh, it was rushed. We probably shouldn't have got back on the horse as fast as we did. No. (laughs) But we had, what, like, four months of of practicing from the time I moved back from the Navy till we played that show? I don't even know if it was that much, because we went back and forth, too, on, like, a practice spot
4: of where we were going to meet and play. But... Regardless, whatever whatever happened, uh, it, it didn't work out. It, it was bad. I, well, I have nightmares of that dude just telling me to rock on in my head. <laughs> rock on, man. So what was the, what was the best one? The best so far. Oh, I got I got a uh, the best show and the best moment. The best Ooh. show might be the last Barnyard Bash that we played, mm-hmm. getting that uh, encore. Uh, that's happened twice. We did that. We got an encore at that Barnyard Bash, which Preston was a part of. So, yeah, that was really cool. It, it was. And then we played a show with Saving Abel at the Newport the Cincinnati, Kentucky. Was that
3: Madison Theater? Was or it, Madison Live in Newport, Kentucky. Yes, yeah. You know, at the, Newport, isn't that where Kentucky. we
0: just saw Norma Jeanette?
3: So we we it's seen newer building, I we think. were at uh Madison Theater, right next door is Madison Live. Okay. It's more like a dive bar kinda. Gotcha.
4: Now granted we had um a different bass player at the time and he wasn't uh in the best way. But we got an encore from that set too. And uh yeah, that was incredible. And I guess uh I dipped out pretty early, but I guess the lead singer came up, got a shirt, talked to Tyler. It was it was pretty cool. Best but
0: moment. That that was your best moment? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. And then the best show, I think, was uh, The Last Barnyard. <clears throat> yeah, that last yeah,
1: barnyard the, was an experience for the ages. Man. I feel like was,
0: getting an encore would just be the coolest fucking thing ever. Right, as, and it's as well, a bunch of
4: people you don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, this, and specifically at the show at Newport, Kentucky, it was faces yeah. we didn't know. And we so, had like
3: maybe 10 people there with us, and that place was pretty packed yeah. when we played. And there wasn't... A single motherfucker not screaming one more song, and that was that was probably one of those moments I had where I was like, "We're fucking rock stars." <laughs> <laughs> I good, I Saving yeah. Abel didn't get an encore that night. I don't, but we surprising. did. I was gonna say, I don't really, I'm not really surprised by
0: that. But I mean, it is cool if just played with Saving Abel. But um, the and you got to think that at a venue like that in a different state. And you said, you know, not a lot of familiar faces. How many of those people had heard your music before? Probably, probably sure. not very none many. Maybe not. Probably none of them. And they were like, these dudes fucking rip one more. Like, yeah. that's cool as shit.
4: And it it's is. original
3: music. It's not like we were up there playing a bunch, a bunch of covers. Of covers. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
4: Did you play any covers that night? We did. We played uh, Change,
0: didn't we? Yep. Like, Candlebox Change?
2: Death no, Time. Change in the House That's a great
3: applies. song as well.
0: But Tones. Could you rip that shit, Sean?
3: I bet Sean could.
0: I bet you could. He's he's
3: kind of
4: high pitched. I know candle boxes. I know candle boxes. I'm trying to think because they had far and they had. Yeah.
0: Oh,
1: shit. Uh, Don't make me try to sing it here. Nope. I can't. I can't think of how the
4: song goes, when
2: but I maybe. He, yeah, so will I now. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> that didn't sound a lick like anything. No, <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> I can't sing, bro.
0: Preston <laughs> <laughs> love when I sang. Fucking what was it, My Own <laughs> yeah, Oh hilarious. man, now that's a jam right You're there. It's Scott <laughs> Stapp, we trust. Yes, sir. <laughs> that man's a god amongst yeah, men. We, and Scott Stapp, we trust in this sanctuary. Good lord. Fuck y'all if you don't like uh! <laughs> yeah Yes. That's well, my guy. Well, Sean, we, we, we want to be respectful of your time, man, and we head. appreciate the shit out of you coming on, brother, and I hope you enjoyed being able to kind of speak freely and talk a little bit about your your musical journey and, and the band and, and what's, what's the past and what's next. So thanks for coming on, bro. Yeah, no, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, All we're right. going to take a short break, and we will be right back with y'all. All right, we're back. Man, that was awesome having Sean on. I knew it would be, and I'm glad that he was able to make some time and uh, come in and, and spend an hour or so with us this evening and tell his side of uh, the Screaming Evidence story and, and kind of his musical background, and it's fucking awesome to hear. And, Tyler, I know uh, you got some shit you want to say, my brother, so I'm going to let you fucking let it
3: rip. Yeah, so I got a lot of I, – I, I would – love to say but um kind of trying to figure out how to start it so we we consider musical influences and we consider like particular musicians or artists that we really look up to and i would say other than my dad sean has been the biggest musical influence in my life that's fucking awesome man and what's so fucking awesome about that is, that's like my best friend, dude. I yeah. he, He's my older brother. That's that's right. big bro right there. And to kind of put some context to that, you know, Sean kind of made a little comment about, you know, when we first got together and started playing, um, you know, the first day I went over to his house to, to play guitar with him because we were talking on MySpace and found out that we... We each played music because I seen him post something on his MySpace um, with him playing. I was like, bro, I fucking played, too. I had no idea that you did. And he was like, well, come over and jam sometime. And I, I brought my acoustic over. And I was I was playing like Sweet Child O' Mine. I was playing, <laughs> you know, uh, Nothing Else Mattered from Metallica. Didn't know I knew a little bit of Metallica, did you? But um, yeah, It's a
0: beautiful song. It is. Wait, wait, I was wait playing, say that again?
3: It, it is. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that. There but anyway, is. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I was playing a lot of the. I was playing a lot of like Leonard Skinnard and and stuff like this. The stuff that my dad had had shown me. But up to that point, playing guitar to me was just this thing that was kind of cool. And it's going to sound very conceited for me to say this, but I picked up guitar really fast. And I was impressing my dad's friends that had been playing for 15, 20 years up to that point, and I had been playing for a few months. The way I picked up guitar and just ran with it, but I chose to do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. And I always kicked myself in the ass for that, because I'd be in a, such a, a better guitarist and musician nowadays had I really let myself go like balls deep with it. Yeah. But it was just this kind of cool thing to me. It was this novelty deal. Like a hobby. Yeah, it was, it was more of a hobby. It wasn't a passion, like you had mentioned earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I met Sean, and I talk about how, you know, I, I really fell in love with music when I found like grunge and stuff like that. When Sean started showing me the music he was playing, and I was seeing at that point that this dude that lives, you know, a mile from my house is writing music, and he's only two years older than me, and I love his fucking music that he's writing. It was the coolest fucking thing in the world to me. And getting into this music that he was showing me, that's when the passion developed up to that point music was just this it was almost like I was playing guitar just to be cool
2: mm-hmm. yeah
3: I was playing guitar because the chicks loved it I wasn't playing it because I really enjoyed doing it when I started playing with Sean that's when I really started to enjoy playing music and that's when I really started to fall in love with music in the the way that I have and from there having one of your, I mean, I, I really have always looked up to Sean because he's always been a great songwriter and, you know, he kind of spoke to his methodology around it and everything, but it was something, I mean, that I had never seen before because most of my experience was with my dad and the bands that he played in where they were playing mostly covers. They Mm. would write a few songs, but it was mostly covers and the kind of music they played was more about the party. And I started getting into this, this stuff with Sean where it's more about the emotions and, and dealing with shit. And I was dealing with shit at the time. And, um, it was, it was the turning point for me when I said, this is what I want to do with my fucking life. Mm -hmm. And I know every musician out there has that moment where, you know, they, they realized, holy fuck, this is what I want to do. And, um, kind of going from there, the, that goes into why I love screaming evidence so much. Part of the passion is getting to write music with Sean. And then it developed into having Scotty there. And, you know, as time progressed, now we have Preston there. Music fucking sucks when you don't have Someone other people to to, to mm-hmm. write that music with. I talk about wanting to do a little bit of a, a solo project and... I think the biggest thing that holds me back from doing that is every time I sit down by myself to write music that is just just going to be me playing or me producing and have no one else involved with, I get fucking blank. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck to do, man. And I realize that part of the passion of, of music is, is playing with other people. Like, you, you you, talked about the, the dedication and shit with us playing over Skype and shit. That's because... It's out of pure enjoyment. Bro, I hated my fucking life <laughs> at that time. One of the only things that kept me going was the times I would go back home on leave and get to play with Sean, and I would always spend one or two nights with him for the two-week period I'd be home, which is a lot considering I have a lot of family that I was trying to see too. But then also having those, those times when he and I could, could chat over the phone and talk about music and then get on Skype and try to learn the shit. And I was starting to dabble into recording stuff then, so I would eventually like go and record what I learned and have something to be able to play to. But, you know, that shit kept me fucking going. In a time when I was not well. It is so...
0: I don't know the right word to use, but I'll say validating to hear you say that because not to get too emotional to... Fuck it. That's what we do on this pod. To get emotional. That's how I feel about this guy. Right here. Mm Mm-hmm. Because him and I were the same thing, in essence, as you and Sean. We taught each other how to become musicians. We taught each other mm-hmm. to play guitar. We, we, I mean, we've said it before on this show, our, our parents, our, you know, our dads would cart us around to each other's house before we had our license for the sole purpose of we're going to fucking jam for two days straight. That's all we're going to do is we're going to fucking jam. We're going to melt faces. We're going to listen to, (laughs) listen to music. We're going to look up the tabs and we're going to learn to play it. And then I'm going to write a riff and Preston's going to write a solo over top of it. And,
1: and it was like the only person we could do that with. It was you and me, bro. Yeah. I mean, it was,
0: it was, you know, we became friends. We became friends because of sports. We played, we played on the same pony league team together in elementary school. That's how we originally became friends. We became best friends be- through music. Yep. We ke- we became brothers through music. Yep. And you and I, Tyler, and you and Preston have became brothers through music. And we talk about how how deep of an impact music can have when one truly embraces it and understands it. And I've never felt that to be more true than tonight with the conversation between, you know, you and Sean and, and having Sean give his perspective and then listen to what you just said <clears throat> because, you know, music is so powerful in that fact that it can create lifelong friendships and brotherhoods and sisterhoods through its scope. And there's
1: a reason people that aren't musicians go to local shows every single weekend. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a real reason why. Mm-hmm. And it's because that sense of camaraderie, that sense of brotherhood, it's the brotherhood. sisterhood, yep. um, it's it's what they immerse themselves in, and I've said it a million times. But the best thing I ever did for myself as a musician, but also just for myself, was joining a band because, like, I never understood what it was like to truly create music with somebody else and have that all come together at once. Because right? It's it's, it's not feeling. just writing riffs. Yeah, it's not. So you, it's not. You
0: know, Tyler, you talk about when you were in the Navy, right? And and. You're away from Sean. You're, you know, you're probably the only one there wherever you're you're stationed at the time. or You're the only one there that's playing guitar, writing music, doing all that. When I went to college, and I lived on campus, you know, granted, I was only half an hour away from home. He was not there, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting in my dorm with my Ibanez and my fucking 15-watt Line 6, Spider 5, or Spider 4, baby. Let's go. Windows open, jamming. And I'll never forget, there was a dude named Joey that lived a couple floors down from me and heard my guitar and was, like, searching for the room. <laughs> <laughs> like, where is this coming from? Was he selling candy? No, and now selling candy. <laughs> he wasn't selling candy. He wasn't I don't even know if I've ever told Preston this story, but, like, I was, like, I felt so isolated because it was just me, right? Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to come home on the weekend so Preston and I could jam. And, but I played every day and I would just be sitting in my room playing by myself. And this dude, Joey, he came looking for this, where, where was this sound coming from? And he, he, he I hear I'm jamming. I hear a knock on my door. I'm like, ah, it's my RA. I'm playing too loud. They're wanting me to turn it down. Somebody complained. And I opened the door and it's this dude. And he's like, bro, are you in here jamming? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, my name's Joey. I play bass. You want to jam? And I'm like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Of course I do. Did we just and become best us. friends? Yeah. <laughs> and when, you son a, of a bitch. I was a friend. <laughs> I was a,
0: you, you son of a bitch. I'm in. Rick and Morty voice. <laughs> I I was so glad to find someone else that, you know, I I you know, when I was away from from Preston and away from home with, you know, my buddy who I jammed with all the time, to find someone else who I never knew. And this was freshman year and I jammed with that dude all the way through school because yeah. you know it was just that that's that now unfortunately we're not in contact anymore but you know he's from a different state you know you go to college you go to school with people from all over the country and whatnot but you know but it was cool for the time being there that be like yo you, you texting me down to jam tonight hell yeah i'll bring my rig over and we'll jam and you know we we would go we actually played um the national anthem before a basketball game one time i, I know Sweet. it's division three i told you that before i think but maybe not um you know it was just like you find people who relate to you in that way and you you it's like you automatically become friends. Even if you like different types of music. Mm-hmm. It's just music itself. You're like, let's fucking go. Let's jam. We're we're best friends now. So but some of those relationships, you know, last a lifetime.
3: Yeah, I mean the only guy I had down there while I was in the Navy that played music Um, so there was two. The one I never linked up to play music with, but he was a direct supervisor of mine and there was like a fraternization kind of issue with that. Um but then friend of a friend kinda ran into this dude from Kansas City, um and he played drums, but he never had like he didn't have his drum set with him. And we would hang out. We, we were playing like Risk and drinking together and stuff like that. And um, he hits me up one day. He's like, hey, I just got back on from, from leave and I picked up my drums. And I was like, when and where, bitch? Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and, and we got together and we, we started jamming a few songs. And we, we played uh, – at that time, it was just me playing guitar and singing – and him playing drums, and it was just something that we would do just to, just to blow off steam because we loved doing it. And so we just we learned a couple of covers. The one that we played was the Red. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Um So we had a couple of songs that we played, but that was like only the last. That's a jam, by the like, way. Five, maybe so many six many months songs, that man. I was I was in the Navy, mm-hmm. if that even. Um, yeah, it, it just. That was the only taste of it that I got while I was down there, which was kind of shitty considering up to the time I left for boot camp, it was all day, every day, my life consisted of playing music. Yeah. When I wasn't at work, when I wasn't at school, fuck, sometimes they even took my guitar into school and instead of eating lunch at lunchtime, I would sit there and fucking play and um going from that into being in the navy and then just not having the opportunity to play while you're in boot camp i didn't even get my guitar until like the last one of the three months i was in pensacola for a school i started um i got the guitar and uh i had to check it in as property and one of the guys at the front um that are kind of running the A school, they were like, can you play this thing? I was like, fuck yeah, I can play this thing. Yeah. He's like, play me something. I hadn't played that guitar. At that time, it was five months. Ooh. And I grabbed it and I started trying to play some of the difficult shit that I had played before mm-hmm. and just absolutely butchered it. Yeah. <laughs> and he, this dude was looking at me like, you sure you could play that you, thing? You, and I was like, you I bamboozle uh, me, bro? was like, wow, I uh, kind of hate my life right now. Yeah. Well, and, he said you hated your life anyway. So yeah, so <laughs> that moment was a very embarrassing moment for me, but I didn't get, I never really had an opportunity to get back into music until that last few months. That I was in the military, and when I would come home on leave and get to hang out with Sean, yeah,
0: it's it, it's just cool, man. It's cool to 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 talk about how those relationships started and how they've grown. And like I said, you look at the three of us and look at you and Sean, look at me and Preston. I mean, it's lifelong brotherhood, man. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely, and it it became as strong as it is because of music. And you know, we want all of the folks listening to. You know, feel that feel that feeling, and mm-hmm. and if you know you don't have somebody that because I know that being a metalhead sometimes you can feel like an outcast, but I want y'all to know that you're not and you're not alone, and you you've got brothers and sisters out there that are straight up metalheads and doing this podcast and doing the TikToks and all that like. I have made so many, and granted, a lot of you guys are online friends. I can't wait to meet some of you. I know my buddy Jake at Metalcore Highlights is going to come on the pod here before too long. Can't wait to get you on, bro. Working on a movie trailer for us, by the way. So shout out, Jake. Appreciate you, my guy. Um, You know, I have come in contact with so many of you guys just from doing this podcast that, you know, you create these friendships in this this relationship based off of yeah we're we're, we're metal heads, we're we're rock and roll fans we're mm-hmm. whatever it is it's so cool to experience that because i don't think that there's any tighter connection than people who are rock and metal fans it's just such a close-knit group and no it's not hard to get into it's not all-inclusive it nope. is we want everybody in here but a lot of times people grow up and and situations or families or friend groups or schools or communities, whatever it might be, where that's just not necessarily widely um, loved or even accepted. And you feel like that, that outcast, that angst, mm-hmm. that, you know, and this is a place for, for y'all to come and feel a part of the brotherhood because that's, that's, that's what this, that's what the screaming idiot shows all about. Oh
3: right? yeah. I mean, you, you think about like conversations we had with Derek um, back in season one where he's talking about you know his lifelong story and how it influenced the music he listens to, and it was the um um the soundtrack to to his life and yeah, stuff dude, that and that was then the we, perfect way to describe it yeah, and then we we got talking about how music can oftentimes help express the emotions that you yourself have trouble expressing. And, or even explaining. Or explaining, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you hear that someone else is listening to music that has helped express emotions that you deal with either temporarily or on the daily or whatever it is. And you, you, you see that this other person is listening to this music and you know that they're connecting with it in the same way. And it's like no words had to be spoken. Mm-hmm. And you already know that you are similar in some sense. I don't give and a fuck about your with, background, your story, You're dealing nothing. with the same shit. Yep. You're going through the same bullshit. Yep. And this person now is, you know, the, this person you can bond with on that without yes. saying a fucking word. Yep.
0: yep. It's incredible. Yep. And it's, I'm telling you, there is, there is no other music genre that can do that like uh, uh, we've listened to it all, country hip hop rap r and b it it doesn't matter there is no at least for for me and you guys, and I know a lot of folks out there that there is no genre of music that can do it quite like rock or metal because None of it. as musicians in this genre, we and they, you know whoever's putting the music out puts so much thought. And emotion into it the good ones at least put so much thought and emotion into every fucking piece of music that they put out, and it's all about telling a story and telling a story that is relatable to somebody somewhere, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so special
3: maybe it's not even a story sometimes it's some sometimes just explaining a situation yeah,
0: or a for f- sure
1: a simple feeling or
3: it trying to conceptualize an emotion that, that yeah. someone's dealing with that maybe they don't quite understand. Yeah. And so, I I mean, I deal with that a lot. And I'm, I'm listening to music that helps put it into words. It helps express it in a way that, you know, even the musicality of it, maybe it's this soft, kind of sadder song or it's this real aggressive, angry fucking song. And it's helping to explain that emotion that I'm dealing with and, you know, that shit's – that's real. That's powerful. And hearing that other people enjoy that music, I'm like, I know why the fuck you like that. Yeah. yeah. You we don't have to – Because I know why I like it. To me, yeah. We
0: have said it so many times. Preston, you, you've you said it several times. I know music saved our life. hmm And it, it continues to do so every day. And I'm so thankful to have – I'm thankful to have you guys and this group of, of friends that we have Derek, Ryan, Sean, Scotty, I mean you so name it. So many others. We've we've been able to create this group that all think alike and feel the same way about this, you know, this music, but I'm so thankful to have you guys to share music with and relate music to and it's just it's it's so good for the soul for my mental health for mm-hmm. you because my parents don't listen to the shit I listen to. My fiance doesn't listen to the shit I listen to. My friends outside of you guys don't listen to the shit I listen to. Yep. It is so comforting and relaxing and um invigorating, validating, you name the adjective to have that ability to share this passion for this music with other people. And that's again, we've said it before and it will keep we this that's why we're doing this yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's
3: it's a place it's it's people that you can be around where you feel safe expressing and discussing and, and mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the the deeper level shit that you go through yeah. mm-hmm. whereas you know, if I'm hanging out with friends that I know don't listen to the type of music I listen to. They typically don't have the same mindset as me. They typically aren't dealing with some of the it same shit feels that like I'm dealing with. It
1: always feels like it's surface-level conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it, I know you say you're not one for small talk. I've always been – I don't mind having small talk with somebody. Tyler is not for small talk. Right. But it's like these kind of conversations is – are truly what I'm after. Yeah, yeah, on a daily basis, and then and I
0: hope you know. I hope sorry. the listeners feel the exact same. I know a lot of them do because yeah. I have had I have had so many reach out to me and be like, "Bro, I feel what you guys say yeah. on a level that I cannot describe." Yeah, and I'm like, "Good, that's what we want." I, I yeah, exactly. Th- this isn't just for fun. Yeah, we're having a blast, but we want to. I mean, touch people in a way mm-hmm. that they they're like, "Holy fuck, dude! I felt that in my soul."
3: Yeah. Right, and then you you mentioned, you know, it being good for the mental health. My mental health is a big reason uh, why I listen to the shit I listen to, and I know that you can relate because you kind of went through some of the same shit that I've dealt with. Yeah, man. Where, you know, anxiety and depression is real, (laughs) and it's not talked enough about. Especially for us men. Especially for us men, and that was kind of the... The whole premise of the event that we played this weekend, yeah, um the yep. banded for brothers and mental health awareness and things like that because if if you knew the guy um the event was for, you would never know that that dude was depressed, yeah, but I had no clue
0: bro you would you would never know that you or I would bro I've been medicated before literally. i mean i, I, I I'm not afraid to talk about it because I'm such an advocate for mental health. I have been medicated for depression before. And, yeah, yeah it worked for a short <clears throat> amount of time.
3: Turns but you it turned into a me zombie. Into a zomb- love you.
2: <laughs> Ta-da. I mean, love
3: you. I love you too, bro. But,
0: like, I mean, it turns you into a zombie. And, I mean, yeah, I'm getting emotional here because this shit means something to me. And it wasn't it, man. And I, 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 I remember telling my doctor, like, yeah, it's great that I don't feel anything. super sad all the time. But I don't feel anything. At all. And it was. I'm like this isn't me. Like I don't want to feel this. And I I remember telling my art. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to find. A way to beat this on my own. And. I found it. Through music. And the friendships. That I've built through music. And. Doing that. and, And doing that. I was able to become so much more of a a full, fulfilled, complete person. And being able to express not being ashamed to express my feelings like, man, I'm feeling sad today. I know exactly what I want to listen to. And it's able to pull me right out of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And or man, I'm pissed off today. I know click, I know what the fuck I want to listen to today. I'm going to, I'm going to justify the way I'm feeling right now. Yep,
1: and it's all shit adds gas to the fire. Doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, but
0: in a good way. <laughs> mm-hmm. In a good way, because yeah. when you listen, yeah. when you're pissed off, when you're pissed the fuck off, and you play something super aggressive, and you let all that fucking anger out, and you're punching the fucking steering wheel, you're doing whatever you got to do. When it's over, you're like, "Ah, yep, whoo, I feel
2: better."
3: Yep. So, being able to—I mean, music is my medication, bro. Bro, I'm a—I'm a holler at you. I we're, we're going deep. We're uh, going deep. Boy, it's, you
1: got a hell of a holler on you. <laughs> <I
3: do. laughs> Shout out Ryan. Shout out Ryan. So so look, around the time that my kids were born, so I started on medication probably three or four months. I think my my oldest son, so my firstborn kid, was about three months old. Okay. So this would have been
0: seven years ago? Eight years ago,
3: this would have been okay. uh, eight years ago. Yeah, know, eight yeah. eight and a half I years. Cannot, so he's, he's can not. He's that old, but he's gonna Crazy, he's gonna man. be ten here here yeah. in uh, about six months. Yeah, and um, so three months into my kids being in my my firstborn coming around, I started getting on medications. Mm-hmm. And bro, the process around that, I went through three different medications. Before a fourth one started to seem to work. Mm -hmm. And I was dealing with getting on medications that would give me bad mood swings. Okay. And then switching to something else, having to come down off of the one while starting the other, and then getting to that fourth one where coming off of one, getting started on this one. And then I start increasing the dose. You know, it'll work for a while. Then they're like, let's increase the dose. Work for a while. Yeah. Increase." And it got to the point where I was on the max dose. Mm-hmm. And that feeling of being a fucking zombie. And I have a one-year-old son with another on the way. And I am a fucking zombie at work. I'm a zombie at home. And... I had no way of really explaining what I was dealing with because I, I didn't know the fucking words and I'm talking to mental health professionals and they don't seem to understand exactly what I'm going through because they never experienced it themselves. And they're just going off of what they read in some fucking books mm-hmm. and they're like, try this pill, try that pill. Um, and I'm I'm dealing with this, this time in my life where I'm in probably the darkest fucking hole imaginable. And I have a kid and another kid on the way, and I feel next to nothing. And I know I love my kids, and I've loved them since the day they were born. And I know both of you just had kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm dealing with this shit in my head where I'm like, I don't know if I want to fucking be here. And at that time, that, that was very much what I was dealing with. And and the only way I could really find to express my love for my kids was there was a song I wrote. And whether you guys realize it or not, you, you've you heard me play the riff. and If it's, I heard
1: the riff, I would know.
3: <laughs> you would know. And there was a song, and, and I took the chords from a song that my dad had wrote And he had taught me when I was very young, and it was very pretty. But I wrote this song, and I recorded it on my fucking Steinberg Elements fucking recording software, which was complete garbage. But I recorded this song, and I remember fucking crying when I was finishing it up because I was like, I wish... I wish I can play this for my kids and them understand what it fucking means mm-hmm. because I can't find the words <laughs> to tell them to tell them. Mm-hmm. I can't find the words to explain to my wife at the time how I was feeling. Couldn't explain anything that I was dealing with. And I felt so fucking isolated and I felt so fucking alone. I, I, I was literally in the deepest, darkest hole of my life. And it was it was music that kept me alive because, like I said, I didn't want to fucking be here. I I relate
0: to that on such a deep level because when I got on my medication, I was two and a half years into a relationship with this person, this 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 woman that I had just. We we had moved out together. We'd never lived on our own together. I had just graduated college. We got our first place together and I was miserable. And I felt the same way. I didn't know if I wanted to be here or not. And I couldn't tell her why. And she didn't, you know, she was very understanding. I'm not going to run her through the mud at all because she was very understanding. She was, you know, helped me get the courage to go to my doctor and say, I need help because I thought that I was too tough for that. Right. Just like all men we're too tough for that hmm she helped me get the courage to go to my doctor and say that I'm not okay but that medication turned me into a zombie like you said I felt nothing nothing no sadness no anger no love no joy no passion no nothing and it cost me that relationship now I'm thankful that it did because of where I'm at today I'm very thankful for what I have today the relationship I have today I wouldn't have my son if that mm-hmm. that would have cost me that relationship but it cost me a relationship and i was truly on my own when she left i was in a house by myself i wasn't i wasn't at home with my parents i wasn't i was i was you know working struggling to pay bills i remember selling an acoustic guitar i had selling a tv selling a playstation 4 just to pay rent i went out and bought a dog because i couldn't stand being alone anymore And I I remember sitting in my house one night, and it was so cold because the house was poorly insulated, and it was freezing cold. And all I had in the house was a bag. I went to the grocery store that night, and all I had was a bag of dog food, a loaf of bread, a jar of peanut butter, and a gallon of milk. Because that's all I could afford. Right. And I was never going to ask my parents for help, even though my parents would have written me a check for $20,000 if they had to. But I was never one to ask for help. And I remember sitting in that house. Freezing my ass off because I couldn't afford the electric bill if I turned the heat on too high. And I turned on nutshell. Fuck. Because I was ready to put a gun in my mouth, bro. And I'm just being real here. I was I was done. I was just I had nothing. I felt like I had no one. And I turned on nutshell. And it it just, it spoke to me in a way that it had never had before. And it pulled me, it pulled me right out of that. And I, I remember telling myself, bro, you can do this. You can, you can do this. You can get through this. You can pay your bills. You can, you can make it out of this hole that you're in. You can pay your bills. It it was it was just it was such a a redefining moment in my life and I remember it so vividly because of how that song and it's I, I know a lot of people or some people listening might not, you know, understand or relate because they've never been to that. And I hope that no one listening has been in that place. I don't ever want anybody to be in that place. But if you have, you know. Maybe you can relate to this because that song just pulled me right out of it. And I remember going to bed that night, curled up with six different blankets because it was so goddamn cold in there, with a smile on my face because I knew the next day was a Sunday night, and I woke up Monday morning and attacked that day like i never attacked a day in my life. Mm. Because nutshell literally saved my life, bro. Because I was done. And I had this kick. I was one thing I didn't sell. I had this kick-ass fucking sound bar. That I, it was a Bluetooth. could <laughs> get rid of I was the bar, selling, I was never selling the sound bar. I had this <laughs> kick ass sound bar that I sat in front of my TV. And because I, I, I had to sell my bedroom TV, but I kept my living room one. And I, I, I kept the sound bar in front of the TV. And I bluetooth my, my phone to that. And I played Nutshell as loud as I fucking could at like 2.30 in the morning on a Sunday night. And I just sat there and closed my eyes in my recliner and just felt every second of that song. And when it was over, I played it again. And the second time that I played it, I, I immediately got up. I I got my dog. We went to bed because old Copper. You remember Copper? Yes, I do. Copper used to sleep with me, and and I I threw him in bed, and, and he you know licked my face, was happy as all get. It. I'm like, well, he's awful damn happy, and he's in the same situation I am. I ain't got no damn right to 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 be. To continue to feel like this and Lane Staley fucking spoke to me in a way that I can't even describe and I'm gonna go to sleep and I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna attack tomorrow like there's no n- no tomorrow and I did and ever since that moment like bro I just lived my life a whole different way mm-hmm. and music music literally saved my life man so you telling that story I just relate related to it on on a, a lot of different levels it's incredible. Love
3: you, bro. I, think, I love you,
4: man.
1: I think those two <laughs> stories encapsulate everything that we're after in yeah. regards to why we created this show. That's what it's all about, bro. I don't I don't have much to add on that piece. I don't piece. think you could add to that, could no, you? <laughs> I don't have much to add, but uh, I, I mean, there's versions of those stories that I've heard, pieces, but not all. Um, I'm appreciative that you guys were vulnerable enough to tell those, um, and I hope somebody listening can relate.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean your situation now where mm-hmm. you know you're a new dad mm-hmm. and you're dealing with you know stress at work and you're dealing with um so many things going on at once i mean you you can kind of speak to that i mean cuz you're you're dealing with a level of stress that you've never really experienced before and I know. And you have a receding hairline now. Yes, I fucking do. <laughs> that's, that's the number one stressor in my
1: life. Hey, right he got now. you
3: back for that shit talk yeah. on guitar. He's yeah. like, running
1: away from <laughs> <running laughs> me. So, so you and know, I can't grow a fucking beard yet. So if I go bald, <laughs> <laughs> I'm right,
3: fucked. So, we're talking I mean, about real world problems. Thank here. God your wife's pretty God and has a good job. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, with, you know, what are you listening to nowadays? when you're feeling kind of overwhelmed or stressed out, that's kind of helping you out through some of this shit.
1: You know, I don't know that I can pinpoint it to be honest. Um, probably a lot of the shit that I've always listened to. Um, but every now and then, you know how I've always mentioned there's, uh, I don't typically listen to lyrics, right? Right. I don't, um, depending on the genre mainly, but, um, I don't know that I can pinpoint a specific artist or style of music, uh, but every now and then there's something that'll hit me and it's like, well, I didn't realize it, but this is how I've been feeling as of late. And one example of that would be the new NF album. And I know we've touched on that Mm -hmm. recently. Um, For some reason it was on a drive to work that morning and that that new album had just, it, it hit me like I say the the phrase often, but it hit me like a freight train. And it was well, like, I know holy
3: shit. I know there's the one song that Happy? I'm sure that you can really relate with. And he's he's talking about his you know son being born and yeah stuff like that and how shit didn't go according to plan uh-huh. and he's kind of writing a song for his wife and I don't remember which song it was, but like, I kind of thought of, of you and your wife in that scenario. Cause I'm like, Preston's telling me he's really feeling the song. And I know you guys kind of had some of the same shit going on.
1: Yeah. I don't know that, um, there was that piece of it that really kind of hit me like a, hit me like a rock. But, um, There were just several things that he spoke to on that album that was like, holy shit, maybe I didn't realize that I feel this way every now and then or um, feelings that I haven't expressed in a certain amount of time. But it was like once I listened to that album on the way to work that morning, it was like all that poured out of me. And I'm like, holy shit. This Mm -hmm. is – and maybe – some people out there that maybe listen to a lot of those feelings, they tend to block or, like, yeah, especially, do, a, yeah. do a good job of blocking or mm-hmm. not thinking about and, uh, or concealing, maybe the word. Um, and if you're like me, when frustrations build up, uh, you tend to hold them in and then yeah. all at once it just boof. It, some people it, throughout the day, or it all comes out yeah, at once. Yeah. I'm the
0: same way, bro. You know, I am. Yep. It's just, it's, you, you, you would have thought that I would have been better at stress management over time, but if it seems like, you know, things continue to build up, and typically it hits me when I'm alone. Mm-hmm. And straight up, when a particular song comes on, whatever it is, something will just hit me, and I'm like, Ugh. it's coming out. I know it's coming yeah. out. Yeah. And if it's anger, if it's, uh, you know, being sad or whatever, it all comes out at once, and I just let it rip, dude. I let it all out. I mean, it's just, but it's it's also, it's
1: also a cool feeling when you're, when you're by yourself and you're, whether it's in your car or your headphones or wherever your safe space is that you go to, um, that another artist or band that does that for you, Yeah, it's like, it's you and them and that's it. There's nobody else. There's nobody else there with you. Um, and I'm extremely (laughs) thankful for those, uh for those moments because we talk about it all the time, but there's a reason we dive into the stuff that we dive into. So no, I don't have much else to add to those points.
0: Well, I'll be honest with you folks that are listening. We had a couple new segments planned for this, uh, this episode uh, starting off season two with a bang, but um, I'm going to skip those for this episode because I want you all to, Really think about everything that we've said tonight, all the stories we've told and and really try to relate that to your own life and find some inner peace and find some relatable um, topics that we've discussed and and draw that back to your own your own experiences in your own life so first off, want to thank Sean again for coming on and and telling some awesome stories and and Given a little insight to, to his musical journey. Um, and also want to thank all of you who have stuck with us from from season one into season two and any new listeners we have, uh, you know, listening to this episode. Thank you so much for giving us a shot. And we hope that we've been able to speak to you on on a on a very deep level. Um, we didn't we, know
1: that that's where we were going. This no, episode. no, we had, no, we had clue, no clue.
0: Had no clue. And that's what's beautiful about it. And, and just so you guys know, this is – this season two, as we're calling it, is, is off to an incredible start. And we knew it would be, but I don't know that we'd ever dream that it would have, it would have, it would have been this good. Um, So we do have some awesome uh, new segments that we're going to have in this season. Uh, Some, we're going to do some top fives in, in each episode. Um, We're also going to include a new topic called this or that, and you guys will get some of that on the next show. Um, But I think I want to let this one marinate boys. Y'all cool with that? I'm I'm cool with some marination. I'm cool with some marination too. So Give me the meat. Once again. <laughs> once again, welcome to season two of the Screaming Idiot Show, and thank you guys so much for tuning in. And until next time, we are the Screaming Idiots, and we'll see you next week.
3: Peace, love, dove. <laughs>